Hello and welcome, guys, to another episode of my podcast, Tater Thoughts. It's another Queen Deep Dive day. We're getting super close to the end of Queen's eighth album, The Game, released in 1980, their first 80s album, their first to incorporate synthesizers. A lot of first happening. Our last episode, Sail Away, Sweet Sister, was all eights. It was Dive 88, track eight on album eight. <laughs> all of these eights. And today it's track number nine, Roger Taylor's second contribution and his last on this album, Dive number 89. And this song was written in the period of June, July of 1979. It was one of the first songs written, recorded for the album, The Game. Remember, the game was done in two chunks. And the reason for that is because between those periods, the boys were out touring their crazy tour, their smaller venue, brief but very successful tour. And this song today is power pop rock. Little bit of new wave, as we expect with Roger. He keeps us firmly entrenched in rock while pushing forward into new territories as genres evolve, and he always kept an eye on those styles. So, a little new wave it is in Coming Soon. Been listening to this song quite a bit in preparation for this dive. Had some interesting thoughts about it, and I don't want to go into my personal opinion just yet. I want to get through the facts, the basics, what have you. I want to talk through the number, fan sentiment, critic sentiment, etc. before I tell you about my thoughts and feelings because I went through an interesting phase with this one. But here are more of the facts about track number nine on Queen's eighth album, The Game. We're at 137 beats per minute. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> it's pretty fast. Really nice, healthy, energetic tempo. This is actually a really wonderful workout song. And we'll talk about the specifics, the style, the jive. That's totally a word for me right now, jive. It's a thing. We're in 4-4 four, four time signature. And we have three keys. But two of these are just illusions, if you will. We have A major, D major, and a smidge of G major brief modulation. It's a little bit of a phantom modulation. But still, three different keys are present in this song. Coming Soon is about the annoying, persistent nags of life that always get in the way and ruin the fun. Or sex. On a train, that is not my opinion. I'm just going to say that. Before I read that the other day, that never even crossed my mind. To me, this is obvious. I get some headaches when I hit the heights. Like in the morning after crazy nights. Like some mother-in-law on her nylon tights. I mean, doesn't that sound like the narrator, the writer, Roger, is singing about the things in life that make it rough, that make it hard, that make it annoying, that make getting through your routine a challenge. That's what I always took from this. They're always, they're always coming soon on the outside of the tracks. To me, that's saying there is a grating irritation. Something that gets in the way. It has nothing to do with passion, 
physical intimacy, in my opinion. But I saw that sentiment twice. I think it was on two different forums. People thought this was about sex. And I, I, I just, you know what? Maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe there's a little nod to that. This is queen after all. They don't take themselves too seriously. They do like to have a good time. So maybe it's possible. Maybe it's true. I never took that from it, but I did see it mentioned, yes, on two different forums. And I wasn't the only one who thought that was kind of silly. But again, open for interpretation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the title of the song, well, okay. Take from all of that what you will. This is a pulsing, pounding, yeah, it really is. A lot of eighth notes happening here in this arrangement. Unrelenting power rock number. Multiple crescendos that take us on this journey with those brief key changes, those phantom key changes, surprising twists in chords, energetic guitars. This is entirely made up of major chords, too. We talked about major and minor. If you're not familiar with this basic music, oh my gosh, you guys, I'm having a blonde moment. Music theory. <laughs> I almost said music history. Wow. Okay, music theory. If you're not familiar with music theory. Major chords and minor chords differ in one way, the third note. So a basic major chord is the tonic or the first note, the third note and the fifth note in the scale. You play them together. It gives you that chord. Dun, 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 right? That second note that's played, i.e. the third note in the scale, is lower to half step to make it minor. Dun, 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 la, 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 ooh, it's very spooky and moody and dark. One of the best examples of a song that's, or a symphony or a composition that is dominant in a minor key that commands your attention, Night on Bald Mountain. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. If you want to hear something that epitomizes that feeling. And yes, that piece of Art, that piece of music is made of all kinds of different chords, not just minor ones. But that feeling, that energy, the song is in, the composition is in that minor tone. So you get that feeling of tension and darkness and moodiness. So that is the biggest difference between major and minor. And a lot of times, composers, songwriters will create a contrast by putting a song in a major key, primarily singing about something very moody. And that's not the case here. I'm simply saying that because using these elements, these structures in music theory, it gives you all kinds of avenues to express things in interesting ways. Anyway, this song uses all of these major chords. It's entirely made up of major chords, which makes it feel like it might be boring or it might be predictable. This number, yeah, some people call it filler or surface. It's more complex than it seems. Has some impressive movements in the chords and arrangements in these crescendos. In another refreshing take, Roger and Freddie both contribute lead and backing vocals here. This is a rare moment where Brian sits one out vocally. And I think that creates a very unique sound in the vocal performance. Feels like more of a duet 
The vocals trade back and forth. We've got Roger's edgy falsettos, Freddie's striking attacks. Brian's guitar is power chord heavy, cycling, soaring notes with edge and grit. We get some fills, some little guitar frills in there. John chugs along an eighth note unison with the energetic drums, like this train at full force. The constant of this rhythm emphasizes the tension and the intensity we get in the lyrics, the angst and irritation and that frustration. This energy, though, is full Raj, very rock with a touch of that new wave, some flanger synthesized effects for good measure or two. Pun. <laughs> this was never performed live. And I, I, this is one of those moments where I wish that wasn't the case because I think this could have been given so much more life on a stage. I've talked about some of their songs coming to life absolutely on a stage. Dragon Attack is one of those numbers that as much as I love the album version and it is one of my most listened to Queen songs. I love that number on a stage probably more. Liar, one of their songs on their first album is something that I will take live over studio any day because the guys drove it and drove it hard. And I think this song's arrangement with those persistent eighth notes, you know, the tempo's like, dun, 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 dun. But man, those drums and the bass, dun, 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 dun. Oh, it is fun. This song is fun. And I think it would have been so flashy and edgy if we'd had this live, even if Freddie took all of the lead vocals. He does sing the verses and the lead vocals in the chorus. We get a lot of Roger in the back. And there are moments where Roger is seemingly on his own singing out these ooh moments. You know, we got a lot of harmony layers here. It's nice. This is a very predictable, I think, more cyclic song, but it has a really nice uppity energy, despite, again, there's this tension, there's this chip on the shoulder thing going on, which in a way makes this feel like when it comes to content, context, this would have fit well on News of the World, which is by and large Queen's biggest chip on the shoulder, I'm kind of angry album. Some fun facts about coming soon. Roger started working on this during the jazz sessions. So it's actually one of the first songs recorded for the game. And it's supposedly the first song Queen recorded with synthesizers. And Roger contributes electric guitar along with Brian. This is a very Roger thing. It's also a very John thing. Roger and John didn't write as much for the band. I think they just weren't naturally as inclined to write as much, contribute so much for the band. Now, Roger did a lot of solo stuff on his own as well. And this was right about the time that he started to think about that content more. This was right around the time that he was writing things with his own synthesizer, which is the one they used on the game, by the way. He started fiddling around with things and writing things on his own and thought, I don't know if this is gonna work with the band. And he was actually the first one to go off and do some solo work. But Brian and Freddie, of course, still the biggest contributors of Queen material as a whole. So whenever Roger, whenever John would write a song, they would often pick up other instruments besides their typical drums and typical bass, respectively. 
And when the game was remastered in Dolby 5.1 surround sound in 2003, they had to use an alternate backing track for this because the final master tapes were lost. And this other version results in a very different, I think a muted sound. It lacks the punch of the energy of this original. Definitely sounds unfinished. And I wanna talk about this some more because the first time I heard it, it sounded like a demo cut and I get it. You lose the masters, you have to substitute i.e. you end up using what you can find. If you're not going to record it again, and of course you can't because this was 2003, you have to just take what you can get. And I don't like that version. (laughs) I'm just gonna be honest, I don't like that version. It's a substitute and it sounds that way. And it's very, very unfortunate. I myself have lost my own masters working on music. I cannot tell you how that feels when you realize that you've just made the biggest mistake. You've deleted a file, you've saved over a file, you've overwritten something that was of vital importance to the original composition. It's gone. You cannot retrieve it. There is nothing worse than that feeling. And this doesn't just apply to a song or a musical composition. This could be anything, right? You could be working on something for a long time So much effort put into it and suddenly you lose it and that's it. You can't get it back and you're forced to find a replacement. So when I heard this other version, this 5.1 surround sound version for coming soon for this album, The Game, I, yes, I knew it wasn't going to sound like the original. I didn't realize just how different it was going to sound. Freddie sounds extraordinarily different. The backing sounds are entirely different. It feels hollow to me. It's very unfortunate. And I feel sad for that version of the album as a whole, simply because it doesn't have the energy, the driving force that coming soon, the original cut does have. So just an interesting fact, if you're looking for something different to listen to, because there are no live versions of this, you can listen to this other version for the 5.1 surround sound that's going to make you go, whoa, it's definitely different. And you might like it more, perhaps, but it does feel thin to me. It feels thin. It lacks the punch. That's, that's all I'm going to say. Last interesting fact, and I didn't get a chance, I couldn't confirm if this is really true, but supposedly producer Mac for this album, said that this song, Coming Soon, was not originally the second song from Roger that was going to be included. There is a song Roger wrote called A Human Body, which ended up being a B-side. I really like that song, actually, but it's, it's more mellow. It's more relaxed. It's in that ternary meter that Roger loves using so much. And Brian and Freddie apparently overruled the decision to make that song, A Human Body, the second Roger track on the game, simply because of its, its sentiment, its vibe, its mood. They wanted something more energized. So this song, Coming Soon, ended up being included instead. And if that's true, interesting decision. I, I do think it was probably the right one, simply because of, again, the mood. You're thinking about the whole here. The album as a whole is very important. And there were several songs already on the album that had a more melancholy vibe. In fact, one of them 
follows this number. It's the closing number of the album. So when you consider that, yeah, it was probably a really good decision to say, okay, let's put a human body on here as a B-side. And I think that deserves more love. Go listen to it. Go listen to A Human Body. It's a really good song. And this song, Coming Soon, sits very comfortably where it is on the game. So it was a good call. If that is really what happened, nice decision. I don't have any comments, critique from the boys on this. I do have a little bit of critics' comments here. Unfortunately, it's not good. This is not abnormal, of course, from critics, especially at the time. Washington Post wrote that Coming Soon was frighteningly boring. Record Mirror wrote, Coming Soon features the headlights blazing again as the lads glide through the chords for an eternity. Unquote. And I consider that negative because I, I can feel the sarcasm all over that when I read that sentence. Whenever a critic comments that something goes on for an eternity, that's not a good thing. <laughs> Unless they're alluding to relaxing. You know, I could relax to this. It's beautiful for an eternity. That, that's different. But when somebody says something about how things just keep going and going and that's all they write, yeah. I'm gonna take that as a negative. And even fans tend to regard this as filler. There's not a lot of defense for it when it's listed as a worst track, yes. I see this song included a lot when inevitably someone says, all right, tell me what you think five of Queen's worst tracks are. This song will pop up in there. It just does. And I, I think that's because it is very cyclic. Yeah, there's some really cool moments in here, but it's very cyclic. It's very predictable. There's not a lot of shifting in the tone. There's not a lot of movement feel to this. You know, we're not getting a kind of symphony feel, a change in the vibe here. It's a pretty short song too. It's less than three minutes long. And that's why I figured this was going to be a fairly short dive today. But let's talk. Let's talk about coming soon from start to finish. I do very much love doing this part because when I go through these breakdowns like this, I listen to these songs over and over again. I'm picking out all of the goods, trying to get my head around the stuff I've heard a million times and coming to it with fresh ears like that. Yeah, I have a different experience with it. Pounding, pounding drums. The flanger effect. Let's talk about the flanger effect at the beginning of this. It's so in your face. It's very well blended with those drums. But when you listen for it, when you know what it is, it's obvious. And it's a fun effect. This effect, if you're not familiar with what it is, when I say it's a flanger effect, it manipulates and overlaps signals of sound and frequencies. So it results in this kind of sweeping sound, like a pitch change. Or in this case, it's almost like a wind rushing by, as if you're literally on a train. There's positive flanging, negative flanging, resonant flanging. I'm just going through different flanging here. Not that it's necessarily in this song. There's lots of flanging options. We can even get into harmonics too, but that's for another day. Regardless, we have two full measures opening the song of heavily flanged drums. Then the guitars and the bass in unison, all eighth notes. Dun, 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 dun. Strong presence of sound. Roger swoons in with layered harmonies. Ooh. Right? It's so effortless coming from him. I do love his delivery when he does that stuff. 
by tonality in effect here, we've got chords that can be in either D major or G major. And we'll get some of this technique sprinkled through the song. This is what I was talking about when I said, this is cyclic, but there's moments here that structurally, very interesting and pretty innovative and impressive. I get some headaches when I hit the heights. Freddie, lead, and one harmony. There's a subtle reverb on his vocal, which we've heard a few times through this album. This is the first time on this album we've been given this kind of vocal reverb from Queen. Wasn't a big thing for them previously, but we're starting to hear those echoes a little bit more. Shades of Roger's previous song, more of that jazz in these arrangements too. There's guitar chimes after Freddie's vocals, ties up those phrases nicely, almost puts a little bow on them, completes them. The melody actually reminds me of the silly instrumental that plays, okay, I know this is random, but when Arnold Schwarzenegger in the movie Twins first arrives to LA and he's walking around, where is he, like Chinatown? He's in LA and he's eating all that food and he's taking in everything for the first time. There's those silly little do-do-do-do-do-do things going on. And for some reason, whenever I hear these guitar moments that we get in these verses, it reminds me <laughs> that part in Twins, I can't explain it. Needless to say, it's kind of a funny moment for me, but the next phrase, we hear Rogers, Ooh, again, instead of guitar, as an echo of those lead vocals, that call and response arrangement. And Freddie, yeah, yeah, casual delivery at the end of his vocals, but his voice is intense and tight. Next phrase, more rhythm guitars. And Roger playing them, if I had to guess. That is a common thing. If Roger was to pick up an electric, a lot of times it's that rhythm guitar. They're always, they're always. I hear both Freddie and Raj in this section, delivering those vocals. Crash, coming soon, mm, coming soon. Ride that high hat. There are some fun guitar riffs and fills echoing from the right and the left. On the outside of the tracks. Love that extra amplified reverb in that word right there. Tracks. Makes it sound like a bad dream or a spinning room. Something unsettling. And I think that's the point. Second verse, more of the same of the first. Freddie's improvised yeps. More fun. Octave spikes on the bass, jumps out and commands your attention. Nice flavor from John. We expect that at this point. And as the second chorus ends, it changes completely. Different energy, different atmosphere, more open and airy and rousing. Thanks to those immaculate layered harmonies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so good. It builds crescendos. Honestly, it's a favorite moment of mine even though the rest of the song is cyclic and predictable. The yas fade out at various intervals, which allows each harmony to shine. Feels more spontaneous too. It feels less like a planned, perfectly optimized chorus delivery and just feels like this kickback rock number. I think that's the key to why it works so well. Because yes, it also gives your ear a chance to focus on those different harmonies, those melodies, but it creates more of an improvised, rougher 
delivery. And I like that here. Rogers falsettos are fabulous. We get them less and less with each album. And because of that, we enjoy them when they pop out all the more. And the interesting odd chord structure is what gives this moment such an impressive punch. We don't really change keys, but there's that illusion of it. C chord to D sharp to G6, ah, six chords. And there's a chromatic harmony buried in there, which heightens the tension. Brian's solo, right after that, lots of grit, lots of woos and pounding rhythms. This last round of choruses, we get Freddie's lead vocal cutting widely, almost as if it's in a different stereo setup at the conclusion of the first phrase. And you can hear this because his voice sounds like it's further on the right or the left in the speaker, especially with headphones on. You may not notice it if you're just listening to it on a stereo, unless it's a fantastic stereo. But if you have headphones on, you're going to hear that widening of his voice. And I think that's genius. A great punch in production. And as this fun little number concludes, that same second chorus ending crescendo of voices, those yas, carries us out for Mata, louder, brighter, wider than before, with lots of reverb, lots of enthusiasm, and goosebump-inducing accuracy and intensity. So here's the thing, guys, coming soon. This song is a lot of fun, honestly. Every time I listen to it, I'm bobbing my head, I'm tapping my foot. It's a really good song to listen to in the car. I like to listen to this while I'm running. But yeah, for some reason, Okay, if I was going to rank Roger Taylor's contributions to Queen, this would probably be towards the bottom. But let me be clear about this, and I've said this before. I don't think anything the guys do is bad. Any of them. John, Brian, Roger, Freddie. These boys, these men, so good at writing, capturing a moment, capturing an energy, They wouldn't be putting these songs on these albums if they weren't good to begin with. So I like this song a lot. I jam to it. I run to it. I enjoy it. But it's not something where I'm going to tell you, I love that thing. It's not like Roger's Drowse. It's not like Fun It. And what's funny is because Fun It is a very sparse production number. It's not as energetic as Coming Soon. It's not as driving. It's definitely not as rock. It's more funk. It's more dance. It's, it's very experimental in a way that we didn't get that balance again from Roger or anybody else in the band for that matter. Fun It is, I think that's why I love that song all the more as Roger's because it's incredibly unique and I think quite genius. This one-off brilliance. Kind of like Drowse in that respect, but just a totally different style. Something that came that was a once in a lifetime, once in a moment thing, and that was it. And that's why I love it. But coming soon is, I suppose, less memorable in a way. I don't know why, but there you have it. Not one of my absolute favorites from Roger, but certainly something I can still dig and get down with and enjoy. And I think you will too. Go check out Coming Soon. I like to make up my own <laughs> arrangements when I sing it too. Maybe I should do my own version of it. Have some fun. All right, guys, keep yourselves alive. I figured this was going to be, yeah. oh, wow. 
This is longer than I thought it was going to be, but okay. I'll be back next time, maybe about a different topic. It's been a few Queen Deep Dives. We've only got one more song to go until we're done with the game. And then it's a whole new experience. Oh, I do have to tell you who stole my attention the most on the game. And I already know who it is, but that's for another time. I'll be back again next time, guys. Stay safe, stay happy, healthy, all that jazz. And I'll talk to you again later.